0: Hello from the 2018 Equal Justice Conference in San Diego, California. I'm Kimberly Sanchez. And I'm Ellen Lawton. I'm April Faith Slaker. And I'm Amy Johnson. And we're on the road with Legal Talk Network. And we're back. Thank you so much for joining us on the road. I'm super excited about this panel of absolutely three amazing women. And we're going to talk about the panel that you just had at the Equal Justice Conference entitled Developing Partnerships for Legal Field Research. We're going to need a little more information on that one. Let's go ahead and
1: start with who you are. So I'm Ellen Lawton, and I'm the co-director of the National Center for Medical Legal Partnership, which is at George Washington University, and we're in the School of Public Health.
2: Um, April Faith Slaker, and I am at the Harvard Access to Justice Lab, which is a research lab located within a law school, which is a little unusual, but we're doing empirical research on, um, broadly speaking, access to justice issues. And I'm Amy Johnson. I'm the
3: executive director of the Arkansas Access to Justice Commission. We do quite a bit of research on uh, on legal needs and uh, try to gather empirical data that informs decisions about how we allocate resources in the state to meet the needs of people with critical civil legal issues. I'm also the director of our sister foundation, which uh, funds the services that legal aid providers deliver in the state of Arkansas. All
0: right. Well, that's fantastic. That's a really good representation, I think, of all of the issues that we might talk about today Um, and very excited to have all three of you here. So let's talk a little bit about what happened at your workshop. Um, Why don't you give me a
1: rundown? Well, uh, I can say we talked about research and how lawyers think about research and I'm trained as a lawyer, and I know that I was never taught how to do research except for the kind of research that you do in the law library. But that wasn't the kind we were talking about today. Yeah, we were talking about more about looking at uh, data and trends and analysis about legal needs in uh, communities. And the work that we do is um, at the National Center for Medical Legal Partnership, is we try to bridge into the healthcare setting and bring lawyers to partner with healthcare providers to improve health. And so we think a lot about research and uh, how to demonstrate that we're having an effect on people's lives.
0: Mm -hmm. Right, because research sounds like a very sort of scary term.
2: This is is one of the reasons I thought it was great to have Ellen on the panel because she's working with the medical profession, which one of the things that we talk about from the access to justice lab is that the medical profession is a little, a few steps ahead of the legal profession in terms of embracing research, like new drug testing. um, Before it gets out into the market, it goes through three phases of rigorous evaluation and testing before it can get marketed. And nine out of 90% of the drugs that were considered a good idea don't actually make it through all those phases of testing. But in the law, we come up with an idea and we tend to not test it out or evaluate it. And then we we get so excited, we throw it into the field and we run with it. Um, And so we're trying to, I think, in a sense, slowly create a cultural change within the legal profession to embrace evidence-based thinking. And not just that. I think that
3: part of that too also involves embracing failure. And I think there is a a real inclination for uh, for us to avoid conversations about failure and um, and to really be able to be self critical about it. And I can say too, from the standpoint of a funder, um, I know that funders a lot of times are probably skittish about funding something that they that there may not be clear evidence that it's going to work out or not. And I think for innovation to happen, you have to be willing to test ideas out where you may have something that flops or you may have something that works really well, but there's got to be sort of that willingness to, to test it out and to have some things that just flop.
1: And I would say that's absolutely been my experience as somebody who bridges the legal and health sectors is that the healthcare sector has actually um, really thought a lot about innovation it's thought a lot about failure, <laughs> um, and, and it's really thought about that culture of testing and piloting and demonstrating and collecting evidence and then pivoting if the evidence doesn't support the um, intervention that you think is going to have an effect. Uh, and we don't see that same kind of culture in the legal profession, and I think that we have an opportunity to change that.
3: I think that's part of the culture of the legal profession, too. I mean, there's just a tendency to do things because that's the way they've always been done, and that's the way that I learned how to do it. And there really is, I think, a lot of hesitance to to try new things and to take the—we're risk-averse as attorneys, and I think that's—it's a difficult shift for us to make, but I think it's an important one if we're going to be able to adapt to some of the challenges that we're facing.
1: Yeah, we wrote an article uh, about uh, looking at that culture, comparing that culture of the health uh, field, the healthcare field, and the legal field, and, and talking about what is it about healthcare that allowed them to develop some of this culture of innovation. And, and it certainly requires leadership. Uh, and I think that's critically important: is leaders who are going to support uh, the, these types of projects and are going to make failure okay and something to learn from. Uh, I do think it requires resources for people to be able to to test things out uh, and to pilot them, and then it requires, uh, I think, um, um, stakeholders who are uh, participating in the process and are contributing their ideas and their thoughts and uh, community stakeholders. So I think there's a lot of different moving pieces that need to come into play in order to affect research that is going to be helpful. Um, But I think resources and leadership are pretty key.
0: So, But why is this important? Right? Why is this important to the access to justice question, I think is probably the best, the best question. The resources that are available
3: to fund legal services programs in this country are grossly inadequate to meet the tremendous need. 80% of the most essential civil legal needs of Americans are going unmet every year, and, um, and they just simply are not the resources to do it to take care of the issues. And so when we're looking at this, and I say this too from the standpoint of a funder, we we have to be able to allocate the limited resources that we have in innovative ways that are going to have the maximum impact. And the only way I think that you figure that out is by assessing what's working and what's not working and what intervention can have an effect, maybe not just on the individual client that you're representing, but uh, all other similarly situated clients who have the same kind of issue. So
0: we have a problem we want to fix it we need to fix it are you asking the legal profession to take a step back and do some planning and then some evaluation and is that right
1: as it turns out that is what's required if you want to be thoughtful about the work that you're doing um, I think what we've experienced as well as partners with healthcare providers that are doing research in the field is that they model for us Uh, a different way of being, and it's not that they don't have pressures on them and resource constraints and all kinds of different inhibitors, Um, but they take an approach to developing, implementing, and sustaining interventions uh, that I think we really can learn from and I think contributes also to uh, personal and professional satisfaction, uh, knowing that the work that you're doing is actually having the effect that you think it's going to have.
0: Right. 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 Transparency. So um, and accountability. I have the, the, the Harvard access. Like, this is very interesting to me. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what the lab does and how this all fits in?
2: Sure. Um, so the methodology that we're approaching is very rigorous. Um, so there are all kinds of different methods out there. There's a whole spectrum of types of evaluation that people are talking about. What we're doing is called randomized control trials. Um, and we, of course, are very supportive of a bunch of different kinds of methodologies. That's just the one that we specialize in. Um, And so essentially that means we take a group of people who are eligible for some kind of intervention or service, and we randomly assign some to get the service or some to not get the service, or some to get one kind of service versus another service. And this is a methodology that's used all the time in the medical profession, but it's kind of surprising, I think, to lawyers to think about doing something like this. Um, But it's also an important part of the process of encouraging research and and really pushing in that direction.
1: Do we have a good example? So um, so I can talk about a recent um, research study that was undertaken in the VA in Connecticut and then the VA hospital in New York. And what they were tracking was the impact of legal interventions for homeless veterans and they were trying to ascertain if that had a beneficial effect. Uh, And what they found was that, overwhelmingly, the legal interventions contributed to stabilizing housing for low-income veterans and to improving some of their psychosocial outcomes. Uh, It was pretty dramatic, actually, the uh, findings of the study. Um, And and we're hoping that that study is going to pave the way for a rethinking of how the veterans' Um, administration allocates its resources and hopefully allocates more resources towards lawyers to help um, benefit um, homeless veterans. So uh, that's the, uh, the crux of that research. It took a long time. It took almost three years. It was privately funded. I looked at the outcomes for uh, close to 1,000 veterans, Um, but we think that the effort was well worth it and we certainly learned a lot and we demonstrated um, the benefit of these services.
0: Right, so we're gonna do this research and we're going to implement it and then we're gonna get the best outcomes we could get, which is attractive to funders, which is attractive to philanthropy, which is attractive to you,
1: programs that want to do better and do well. I think one of the most striking comments that we heard from one of the veteran leaders who was part of the study was, uh, if this were a pill, we'd probably pay a lot of money for it. That is fascinating. Yeah,
0: I think that like kind of says it all right there. Yeah.
2: There was something Ellen said at the end of the panel, though, that I thought was really smart, so I'm going to bring that up now, um, which is that no one study is going to answer all of our questions for us, and so it's really important that we as a field really embrace this approach because we need a bunch of studies to really get at those answers.
0: Mm-hmm. So how, do, how does the, um, this community sort of embrace this? And you have 10 seconds, each of you. What is your, what is your words of wisdom?
1: Um, Go and find somebody in the community who knows how to do research and partner with them. Don't worry about what you're focusing on. Uh, Really just partner with them and learn something and test it out and start the journey.
2: Yeah, I mean, I kind of want to second that, but I think lawyers just don't have the particular training. And so we are a little bit afraid of the research profession, but it's not so scary. And there are people available at local universities to help us and, and help us do these studies. And I think, too, that there has to be a
3: willingness to, to accept something that's not perfect. I think that, that research is oftentimes messy, maybe some undesirable things that it uncovers, but also some really important things that you can take as, as lessons going forward. So I think that there's a, got to be
0: a willingness to embrace that. It has been lovely having you ladies here. And so give us your contact information, because I am sure there will be plenty of people that want to uh, reach out and ask some
1: additional questions.
2: You can find the lab at a2jlab.org, and that's a two, the number two in there.
1: So our website is uh, medicallegalpartnership.org, and you can find my email address there, uh, E-L-L-A-W-T-O-N at G-W-U.
0: And we are at arkansasjustice.org. Okay. Well, we've reached the end of the road for today's episode. I want to thank our guests for joining us. We also want to thank our listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please find and rate us in Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road with Legal Talk Network.
3: If you'd like more information about what you heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. Or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes.